0: Let's start here in Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. You understand this that God is out to give you the best, He wants you to have the best. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. So we worship our very best with reverence and awe. We're going to come back to that later. We're talking about the kingdom of God. And Jesus is very concerned, and he is very about the kingdom of God. He's talking a lot about it. He's referencing the kingdom all of the time. Uh, And he wants us to understand the kingdom and grasp it. I think there's two core reasons. One, so that we can walk as true citizens and when someone from another country is granted US citizenship, they go through a process in which informs them, hey, these are all the rights that you have, but these are also the expectations that, you, that are on you as a citizen, and they discuss all of that. Jesus is coming in and be like, I want you to walk as true citizens. And so we're going to talk a lot about the kingdom, but also to help us identify between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world kingdoms of man that we'd be very aware that there is a stark difference and we need to be aware of where we're aligning ourselves are we aligning ourselves in our lives with the kingdom of god or are we aligning ourselves with the kingdom of man so he's continually pressing this uh, this theme of the kingdom of god and we know that jesus comes when jesus comes he's he's coming preaching the good news of the kingdom it's the kingdom of God that we are about. That He is about. He's teaching this to help us ensure we aren't just associating ourselves with the kingdom, but are living in a manner worthy of the kingdom. Not just associating with the kingdom, but living in a manner worthy of the kingdom. Not just I go to church, I understand Scripture, I um, I was baptized. Not an association with the kingdom but that we are living in a manner worthy of the kingdom to ensure that we're supporting and upholding kingdom principles. And we do that through our lived lives. I'm going to support and uphold, not just I agree with, hey, I think that's a great idea, go for it, you guys, you know, that's going to be really great. No, not, not just a support, but in my life, I am upholding those kingdom principles. And it's to ensure we align ourselves with God's kingdom, his his kingdom, and he's constantly warning us against aligning ourselves with the kingdom of man, warning after warning to make sure that we're properly aligned and not seduced or persuaded by this world. The kingdom of God is really important. We're going to spend, I think, more than a few weeks on this, probably the next Month, maybe even two months on, on this. There's a lot, I mean, we could really just spend forever on this. As I'm like, as I'm looking on it, I was jotting down notes over the last month. Okay, here we go. I'm like, man, here are my notes for the kingdom of God. It's literally just all of this. It's like, we're just always talking about it. The kingdom of God is mentioned in the Gospels 126 times, just that phrasing, the kingdom of God, 55 times alone in Matthew. But when you really break it down, when Jesus is speaking and he's giving you, like, hey, this is how life is lived, all of this is is kingdom stuff. It's all kingdom principles that we are to take our lives. So it is like the theme. It is like the overarching theme, the kingdom. It's a theme that Jesus is trying to help us wrap our heads around. He wants you to understand it. He wants you to get it. But it's also a theme that can be very confusing to us. It can be very confusing. And there's this tension between the world we live in and the kingdom we are citizens of. There's this tension. Because we're called to be citizens of a kingdom that is not of this world, yet we still live in this world. How many of you guys have experienced that tension? I've experienced that tension. Just about every time God asks me to do something, the main tension comes from, well, worldly, fleshly thinking and kingdom thinking. We're born into the kingdom of man and are accustomed to its ways. We're accustomed to the ways that the world works, the structures and rules that govern it, correct? This is what we're used to. We're born into it. It's... it's, it's like our first nature. We're like, yeah, this, this all makes clear sense to us, the way that the world works. For example, of this tension, we look to Matthew 18, and this, it comes up all, all throughout uh, the Gospels. In Matthew 18, it says, About that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Here on earth, we have all sorts of ways of figuring that out, Right? Who has the most money? Who's the best looking? Who's the strongest, right? Right now, we have, uh, in all the different sports, all the different US Olympic trials going on. They only send the greatest, and they have metrics to decide who's the greatest. Well, in the kingdom, there's the, there are metrics to decide who's the greatest, just it doesn't fit in any of our metrics. And so he continues. Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. The kingdom operates differently than we're accustomed to. It operates differently. What success looks like in these systems are different. What power and prosperity mean in these systems, they're different. Definitions of good and evil in these systems are different. How to get ahead is different. I think the one that we kind of always bump into, like how different kingdom thinking is, is when it comes to how we use and and spend our money. You know, one of the first things in in the world, in world's thinking, I'm my provider. If I'm my my provider, or my employer is my provider, and I have very little of what I have, I come in with a scarcity mindset, then I want to keep all that I have. Why why would I be generous at at all if I don't have extra? Why would I give the first fruits? Why would I give, bring 10%, this doesn't make sense in the world's system, but God says, no, my system makes perfect sense. You bring your first fruits, you, you tithe, and I'm going to take care of the rest. I'm going I'm to bless. I'm not going to get more into that. It's just the kingdom and the world are different, and the principles that govern them are different. And when Jesus is talking about the kingdom, he's constantly bringing up this, hey, they are different, and I want you to understand that they are different. Yes? Not just different, but contrary. Yes, they're contrary, contrary, they're opposing, they're opposite in every way. They're at odds, right? They're at odds with one another. The two do not mix. They're warring against each other. They just, they just don't. There's, it's one or the other. You can't have both. But all this can become an issue when attempting to understand the kingdom of God. It's funny because ju- I'm just about to say that. <laughs> it's, all of that can be an issue because the kingdom's different. It's opposed. The two don't mix. Because anything short of, to- of the total reign and rule of God isn't the kingdom of God. Anything short of that will not fit. In our lives, if there is anything that falls short of the complete rule and reign of God, it is not of the kingdom. When it comes to my finances, I I bring that under the complete rule and reign of God. When it comes to how I work, when it comes to my attitude, when it comes to my interactions with others, when it comes to my view on family, when it comes to my view on people who oppose me, if I'm not submitting that to the rule and reign of God, it is not of the kingdom. We're going to talk not about all these, the specifics of the kingdom, but the thinking of the kingdom. Because Jesus wants us to align our thinking. Jesus believes it's a priority for us to have a firm grasp and understanding of the kingdom. Understanding who the kingdom is for and about. Understanding what it means to be a part of the kingdom. Understanding that the kingdom, in the kingdom there's one authority, one ruler. This is why a couple of weeks ago when Eric brought up the issue that he's having with the democratization of the church, it's an issue. Because there's one ruler and one authority. There's one head. His name is Jesus. The kingdom operates differently and he wants us to understand that. It is opposed. And I keep saying operates differently because when it comes to understanding kingdom and kingdom principles... When, we, when we're trying to walk in and understand, our first thought needs to be, okay, this is going to be different. This is going to be opposite of what, I, we need to walk in with that understanding, right? It's like when I go and I'm walking into an ice rink. I need to understand the surface here is different. And so I need to prepare myself for that new surface. When it comes to understanding the kingdom of God, it is different, it's opposed, they're opposite. And so prepare your thinking for that. Prepare to align your thinking. Jesus, before he's crucified, has this conversation with Pilate. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot, a lot going on here, but I'm going to hit on one point. We're looking at John 18, 33 through 36. Then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. He said, are you the king of the Jews? He asked him. Jesus replied, is this your question or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew? Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. There's an interesting dialogue that happens here. There's a lot of meat here, but... One of the things that I want to zoom in on is Jesus is willing to accept this title of king as he is, but he kind of he kind of adds some definition to it. He wants to make sure that him and Pilate are on the same page. Hey, I am a king. But not in the king that you the kind of king that you're thinking. Not in the same way. My kingdom's not of this world. I'm a king, I'm a ruler. I bear authority. But because my kingdom doesn't operate like your kingdom, when I'm taken, my followers don't come and rush to save me. It's different, it's opposed. He could have just said, yes, I'm a king. Can I preface, no, I'm a king of a kingdom that's not of this world. So if there's any confusion on your part, Pilate, about why, why I call myself a king, yet I'm here captive and no one's coming and fighting for me. In fact, when someone did try to fight for me and sliced off the Roman, one of the Roman guard's ears, I went and I put it back. No, 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 that's not the way my kingdom works. My kingdom is not like this world. It is opposed to this world. As a citizen of a kingdom that's not of this world, it's important for us to remember and understand that it doesn't operate in the same way we're accustomed to seeing. So we're thinking about the kingdom, the rules, and what it means to be a citizen need to change. Students, you're going to run into this a lot, where you're going to be challenged in your faith, and you're going to be like, this doesn't make sense. And typically, that it doesn't make sense comes from this doesn't fit into the way that I'm used to thinking about things. But what is happening is the Holy Spirit is trying to move you from worldly thinking to kingdom thinking. Because it's a logic that works and makes sense. It's just not of this world. Because we're called to be a people who are about the kingdom of God. Who are aligned with it and participate in kingdom work. We all agree on this, yes? This is our calling. This is what we're about. This is who we are. In terms of the kingdom, the call and instructions given to us could be summed up in Luke 12. Look at Luke 12:31-32. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give to you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives the Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. We're called to be a people who are about the kingdom first. This means to adopt God's value system, pursue his purposes, and submit to his authority. How we seek first the kingdom of God, how we become about the kingdom, how we commit a total focus is kind of the way I'm going this morning. How does this actually take place? It has to do with our thinking. This is a question that uh, when Eric started the series, I wrote down a few questions that I had. One of them was, how do we seek first the kingdom of God? And one of the first things that kind of popped my mind was, it has to do with our thinking. Our thinking must first be submitted to God. We are born into this world and its rules. Then, born again into another kingdom. Colossians 1.13 says this, you don't have to go there with me, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son, so there's a new kingdom that we've been transferred to. And with it comes a new thinking. So let's explore this. We're going to explore this whole thinking thing. I'm going back to the parable of the 10 minus. I'm just going to summarize it. So Jesus tells his disciples a parable. And he tells this parable because the disciples are assuming They have this assumption that the kingdom of God is going to come immediately. It's going to come like that. But Jesus uses this parable to kind of correct that thinking. He says, no, it's like a king who gathered his servants. And he said, hey, I'm going away for a while. Each of you, I'm going to give a portion. Use this portion to do my work while I'm gone, engage in kingdom work while I'm gone, engage in my business while I'm gone. And he leaves for a time. But then he comes back. One of the first things he does when he comes back is he calls his servants back to him. He says, okay, what's going on? What did you guys do with what I gave you? And to the good servants, what does he say? The ones who actually did good and did as he said with the 10 minus he gave them. What does he say? Well Well done. Good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. But those who did not do as he said, he calls evil servants. And he takes from them what had been given to him. Look at this. The evil servant, though, gives reason for his actions. The evil servant gives reason for his actions. says this in Luke 19. But the, ser- but the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. He gives an excuse but he also lets the king into his thinking. This is my thinking process here, okay? Bear with me. Let me explain it to you, king. The king comes back, and he flips the script on him, and he says, you wicked servant. Your own words condemn you. You knew that I am a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Here's the thing. What the king is calling out, what the king is addressing... He's saying, your thinking is off, it's improper, it's incorrect, it's not of my kingdom. He's calling out the improper thinking of the evil servant. This third servant, he received the same instructions as the others. He was given the same amount of resources as the others. He had the same level of citizenship as the others. He was entrusted all the same as the others. So the king was expecting the third servant to have brought similar to what the others had brought, expecting to have gotten work done. But what prevented him from doing the work of the king, I mean, there's probably a thousand assumptions we can make here. One of them is incorrect thinking. There's incorrect thinking here. And it didn't align with the king's thinking. He had this kind of, well, this should be sufficient, right? Well, the king says it's not sufficient, it's not sufficient. Well, you should be happy that I didn't lose your money, right? No, no. If it's not what the king wants, it's not what the king wants. And he has a right to be upset about that. This is why it's necessary for our minds to be renewed. Our minds must be renewed because we need to be able to align with the kingdom so we can operate with kingdom thinking. This requires a renewal of our minds. If you're ever struggling to understand a kingdom principle, something that's in Scripture, that's a strong stance, what's happening is, well, your mind needs to be renewed. What the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to do a work in your life, come into your mind and renew it so that it can operate in kingdom thinking. It's an unrenewed mind that struggles with kingdom work and kingdom thinking. Romans 12.2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, seeking first the kingdom doesn't happen unless our thinking is changed. You could also say that in the process of seeking first, the king is going to come and renew your thinking. As far as us submitting to the kingdom, what we're also submitting is we're saying, In my submission, you have full authority over my thinking. Change it, transform it, renew it into proper thinking. Seeking the kingdom first doesn't happen unless our minds have been renewed to align with the king's thinking. And only a renewed mind can please the king. It's a renewed mind that eagerly participates in kingdom work and begins to understand the systems, values, and priorities of the kingdom. As we, talk, as we begin, as we continue to talk about the kingdom, some of what Jesus says about the kingdom kind of rubs us wrong. These things don't make sense. Some are like, wait a second, that is like 100% op- opposite. You're like, and he's like, yeah, that's kind of the point. It's 100% opposite. Like, wait, how am I supposed to, how do you expect me to connect these dots then? Well, renewed thinking. That's why I'm sending you the Spirit. So we do as Romans 12 says, and let our minds be renewed by submission to the Holy Spirit. Without a renewed mind, we cannot think like the kingdom, because the kingdom is upside down and opposite in comparison to the world. The two thinkings, the two logics, they're at war with one another. A renewed mind is a mind that is submitted to the Holy Spirit and coming under kingdom thinking and adopting kingdom thinking as their own. You cannot walk around with, unrenewed, with an unrenewed mind and without kingdom thinking and expect to accomplish kingdom work. It just can't happen. The evil servant would have been foolish to have buried it and expected there to be 11 coins when he got back, right? It's that renewed thinking, it just doesn't work. Think about these, just a few examples here. Want to be first? Well, you're going to need to be last. You want to live? Then you're going to have to die. You want to be free? Then become a slave. Want to become the greatest? Then become like a child. And in regards to your enemies, those who mean you harm, love them. Yeah, even those who are actively trying to take away your rights. Even those who are actively living opposed to the kingdom. And inside us, sometimes there's, wait a second, so I'm supposed to love these people in action? I'm supposed to pray for them even as they are hurting me? Even as these, these metaphor arrows are, are charging at me? You see, they mean me harm? And the answer is yes. But as the Holy Spirit says yes, there's also a picture of Jesus on the cross doing the exact same thing. as he was crucified, as he was stabbed, as he was beaten, praying, Father, forgive them. That's kingdom thinking. And it is at odds with the world's thinking, right? It is completely opposite. They do not mix. Like water and oil, they will always remain separate from one another. So, Jesus sends us a spirit as helper because he knows it's not that we need more information about the kingdom. It's not just that we need to study harder, memorize more. It's that our thinking must be completely rewired for us to grasp it. Amen? Amen? More information isn't going to do anything on its own, it's renewed thinking. It's a renewed mind as we submit our thinking to the Holy Spirit. The way this is done is is when Jesus says something that we find in conflict with our own way of thinking, what we say is Holy Spirit, I want that to be my thinking. I want that to be the way I think. I want that to be me. Maybe I'm struggling with loving my neighbor. Maybe I'm struggling with whatever kingdom principle it may be. We say, I want that. I want to walk in that thinking. This is important. This is primary. This is why Jesus talks so much about the kingdom. He wants us to get it. He's saying, hey, don't miss it, because it's easy to miss. Like the evil servant who received all the same information as the others, all the same level of citizenship and access to the kingdom and trusted by the king as the others, it's easy to miss. But his mind wasn't in line and submitted to the king. Kingdom work starts with a renewed mind and submission to the king. Last week we had a little bit of an issue in our bathroom. Some of you guys saw it, there was a backup, tried to fix it, made a bigger mess. Mess all over the place. We bleached the bathrooms like crazy, but I was available, so I asked to go take care of it. And Brittany and Mackenzie jumped on it too. We were just the ones available, you know. And we're going over there, and we're and we're handling business. Apparently, though, I wasn't out here because I was in the back with the kids. It was right in line with what Eric was teaching that as royals, royal, royal work in the kingdom looks different than royal work in the world, right? They look completely opposite from one another. In the world, being, uh, being seen doing what's considered to be low level, being seen doing what's considered a degrading job is ran away from. Because in the world, no one of status would actually do that So because I want to be seen as someone with status, I'm not doing that. But in the kingdom, it's opposite. Because in the kingdom, status doesn't come from being served, but from serving. Amen? Amen. But you see, if you're having an issue with that thinking, it's the Holy Spirit coming up to you and saying, I want to renew your mind. And what he's asking from you in that is, I need you to submit to me your thinking, and I want you to adopt this way of thinking. Make this your own. And even if you struggle, continue to struggle in this thinking, I need you in faith, in obedience, in allegiance to the kingdom to operate in kingdom thinking. Even when it sucks, even when it smells, even when it's dirty. Even when it looks like no one else is joining you in it. Even when it looks like, wait, why am I the only one doing this? It's funny how that works, right? planet full of billions of people, and at least millions of believers, we're the only ones doing kingdom work. The dirty aspect of kingdom work. In all areas of the kingdom, We say the same thing. The kingdom is opposite and doesn't work that way. It does not fit in the world's way of thinking. It's logic. It's route to getting places. Renewed thinking, kingdom thinking, opens the door to kingdom work. I think it's been the last three three weeks we've been kind of pressing this idea of kingdom work. You're a child, meaning you participate in in the work of a child. You are a royal. That means you do royal work and defining what that is. If you find yourself struggling with kingdom work, there's an incorrect thinking. A lot of the times when I find myself with a bad attitude, it's because of an off perspective. And what the Lord reminds me is, I need you to stop and submit your thinking to me. Otherwise, you're going to continue down this. Saying, when I'm taking a blessing and turning it into a curse, it's usually because of off-thinking, right? He's asking us to submit our thinking to him. Following the command of Jesus to seek the kingdom requires we submit our thinking. And identify incorrect worldly thinking. Renewal of our mind is that first part of Romans 12 2. If we read the verse again, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Submitting our thinking means discerning what is and isn't pleasing and what is and isn't good to God. Not to us, not to them, but to God. God. And this can be a very uncomfortable process. But it's necessary. Because what's the opposite of this process? What's the opposite of submitting our thinking? It means that our minds aren't renewed, and we cannot identify worldly thinking. Then that means that we will do what isn't perfect. We will do what isn't pleasing to God. And we will do what God deems as evil and not good. If submitting our thinking results in the ability by the Spirit to discern what is good, pleasing, and acceptable by God, then an unrenewed mind that is not submitted to God will do exactly the opposite. What is not pleasing, what is not good, and what is not perfect by the eyes of God. Isn't this the position that the evil servant found himself in? Doing what was evil and not good, doing what wasn't perfect nor pleasing. Seeking first the kingdom needs to be such a priority. That we should be actively inviting this correction into our life and our thinking from God, the Holy Spirit, through Scripture, the wise counsel of brothers and sisters. We should be inviting people to say to us, Hey, your thinking is off. We should have people in our lives who we call brothers and sisters that know that they have permission to address our thinking. And it should be met with, oh yeah, I can see how that's possible. It should, be, it should be met with, would you help me to understand this thing? And it should be met with a submission to the Holy Spirit. Also, I think that a lot of times we should be checking our thinking with God, with the Holy Spirit, and with brothers and sisters. Coming up, either in prayer or in person to one another, saying, hey, is my thinking off in this area? Am I correct about this thinking? Would you help me explore this thing that's going on in my life? And invite someone to walk with you as you submit your thinking to the Holy Spirit. We need to invite correction to our thinking, because it's that important. But honestly, and and this is a thing that's from my perspective. From my perspective, and this is when I'm thinking correctly, this should be an easy thing. Because it's not telling you you're dumb, or you don't have intellect or anything. What it's saying is you're still allowing worldly thinking to infiltrate your thinking as a citizen of God, as a citizen, citizen of God's kingdom. The enemy will try to convince you that questioning your thinking is to call you dumb. That questioning your thinking is to say that, hey, you're just not smart. But it has nothing to do with that. It's just questioning our thinking is, I want to be aligned with God's kingdom and no others. He's not asking us to be dumb or ignore logic. He's inviting us to understand the logic of God the operations of God, the systems of God and adopt them as ourselves because it means adopting God's value system it means pursuing God's purposes even though it requires self-sacrifice and it means submitting to his authority which requires taking up the cross we're going to get that wrong that yeah we can't it out on our own. yeah so Blake, Blake clarified it we're going to get it wrong so there's, we shouldn't come in hesitant to have our thinking correctly because we're going to get it wrong. Because a renewed mind only comes through the Holy Spirit. It only comes from God. There's only one place where correct thinking exists, and it's in the kingdom. And we're getting it from there. And so we're born into, we're born into this world, into this world's thinking. It's our default setting. Have you ever tried to go into any sort of operating system and change the default settings? It's almost as if they don't want you to, right? They make it as complicated as possible for you to customize anything. It's your default setting. And we understand this. We are not going to be made perfect until the coming of Jesus. It's going to happen, but it's going to take a lot of time, right? Some of us longer than others. talking about myself here. Supposed to be a joke. Didn't land very well. Let's just skip over it. Yes. Back up. You were asking the opposite of submission. Yes. Yep. I think it's making my own choice. Okay. And what I choose to do for myself. Mm. Yeah. Rather than choose to do for the sake of anything else. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, David's make a clarifying point on what the opposite of submission is. The opposite of submission is me making my own decisions for myself and I'm the I am the chief and the last and final say on what happens in my life. But those who seek first the kingdom know that it's we want to put God in that position in our life, right? Put him, in our thr- put him on our throne in our life. So submission to God looks like I default to him now. That's where the childlike comes from. Yes, in. this is where the childlike comes from, yes. Uh, they could be very simple choices. Like mm-hmm. what, I'm, what yep. I'm having for dinner may yeah. not be right for the rest of the family. Yeah, okay, yeah. So bring it down, bring it down to the simple also the complex, every area of our life. Not thinking about solely what I think on the matter, but instead concerning myself with what the Father thinks and wants and sees as appropriate and good and pleasing. Amen? Amen. We're right there? Okay. Let's get the worship team up here. Without a renewed mind... We will find all of this very impossible. And students, this is why I want you to pay attention. Look at me. Do I have any other students anywhere else? I have Tyler over there. Tyler? Back there? James, Orion, Rosa? If you are finding what Jesus is asking you to do, impossible, improbable, something you're not capable of, something that sounds dumb, something that sounds like it makes no sense, it is impossible without renewed thinking. And you will continue to find it impossible without renewed thinking. And so I'm encouraging you, when you bump into something that doesn't make sense, it is your opportunity to say, Lord, help me to understand this. I'm submitting my thinking to you. It's your opportunity to bring in wise counsel from the the people that the Lord has surrounded you with to help you understand kingdom principles. Because here's the thing. These three servants, these three servants, when you're a part of the kingdom of God, the reward and the wealth of your life comes from the treasury of the king. It comes from his storerooms. The wealth of the king, he wants to give it to us. When it says, seek first the kingdom, it says, because the father is eager and glad to give it to you. He wants to give it to you. He wants for you to share in his kingdom and be a part of it. But the main hurdle in all of our lives is thinking. Unrenewed thinking. Because you are in schools that teach opposite. All of the social interactions you have with friends, it's all the opposite. What you see on social media, what you see through entertainment, it's all the opposite. So this is the prayer that I have for you. That you would submit your thinking to the Lord. That you would try it out. You'd say, Lord, I am not understanding this. I want to submit my thinking to you. And as a body, I'm asking that. That is our prayer for these students and all of those that we have the opportunity to interact with that aren't here on Sunday morning. Amen? I'm going to end with these, uh, these two, two verses. This is kind of like a, in, a, in our prayer time. So you can hit off the main lights because I want us to soak in these verses. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives the Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. And then Hebrews 12, therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. If there's any place that you want to plant your flag, it's in the kingdom of God. I want to be there, that's why I want to be aligned, because it's the one thing that will not be shaken. It is the only sure thing that we have ever interacted with is the kingdom of God, and that is why when we say that Jesus comes, Jesus comes preaching the good news of the kingdom, because it is unshakable, and it is for you. You are invited into it. So, thus let us offer God acceptable worship in reverence and awe. That's us this morning, amen? That's us.